quick, someone tell Glenn Greenwald. Oh, nice. I went to college campuses expecting debate. What I got instead was zero collapse. Yeah, I went to college, college campuses expecting applause. And what I got was silence. I was born in a test tube in a lab and I shattered the glass and I crawled out of my primordial ooze to go to college to debate. And I was met with zero clapter. And yeah. And I, frankly, I don't understand how this could have happened. Someone must have made a terrible mistake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, you know, on one end, kids haven't been able to go to school, but on the other hand, like those are the people that you're going to meet at school. So that's, that's a tough, that. That's a tough beat. Uh, that's a tough beat. And that's life, baby. I'm choosing the le- lesser of two evils there. I'm, I'm doing both. I'm going back to college, Lux. Oh, hell yeah. Get in there. Get in the mix. Get some debate. Learn some stuff. Yeah, that, that, that'd be sick. I feel like, you know, sort of I don't know. A back to school, but you're the Roddy Dangerfield. Yeah, I go for two months and then I'm writing for the New York Times. Yeah, all you have to do is go to all you have to do is go to college and see like uh, I'm white and I had a bad time and then like you're set for life. I wish I had known that <laughs> in 2010. Um, college is a beautiful place of transformation. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, you go there as looks, a nerd and you leave as a dweeb. You li- Is that what happened? It happens to a lot of people. You're you're ousted as a Frankenstein of ideas. That's a, actually a really good way to describe those kind of people. It's just a bunch of ideas, <laughs> a bunch of dead ideas stitched together and animated with the pure <laughs> lightning of sort of like shitty nonsense. <laughs> um, man, remember when we said Game Boys never miss a week? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that was before. Uh, Florida. That was before Florida. That was before uh, the, you know, the don't say gay bill. That was in Florida, right? That was. Yeah. I came out there um, to stop it and I failed and I'm sorry. Yeah. But no, yeah. I was in Florida and uh, it's true. You can't say it anywhere. Oh, that's, is it true? You're walking around. You're like, some of my best friends are. And then someone jumped out of a bush and was like, don't you say it. No, it's like when they, uh, it's like in Kingdom Hearts when they steal a word. Oh the, yeah, the nobody's. They steal a word, and no one in town can use it. It's really sad. Yeah, it kind of. It's like um, on a Defector trivia. Shouts out to Twitch.tv/slash Defector Media. You can pay a you can pay bits to ban a word for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And sort yeah. of Florida you know, just did that with gay, but forever. Exactly. Yeah, they 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 added a sort of a recurring subscription to that. But you know, it, it, jokes aside, it is it is sad, and um, you know, um, solidarity to all of our gay gamers in Florida. Um, but you know, I gotta say, I was in Florida for a couple of days, and it was terrible. You should you should leave either way, Bill or no Bill. It's it's a terrible place. There's no good restaurants. There's only like two tall buildings and there's just, there's nothing going on. Your appetizers are, are, are atrocious. Your appetizers are, are awful. <laughs> okay. Griffin, you really, I'm really happy about this. Cause you preempted my, what was going to be my first question, which was asking you for a quick review of Florida. Um, and I'm glad we're already there. Uh, but now I'm confused. What do you mean? Can you elaborate on this appetizers thing? terrible apps to show them everywhere you go um i don't know it's like i was sent there on a company work trip um 
to and you know you're, the one reward is you're supposed to get to go on a nice dinner you're supposed to get to you know expense and one nice dinner while you're out and i gotta tell you that was an incredible challenge that was harder than anything in elden ring trying to trying to find a restaurant that didn't taste like dirt florida surrounded by ocean tastes like dirt yeah it was um i mean the first night I went out there, a guy threw up on my shoes on a Monday night Is at like 1 a.m. <laughs> yeah. It's been almost a week since that happened and you're just telling me this now? Hey, listen, I, it, when you're the boss, you're busy. All right. Well, let's not continue playing into this narrative. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't. I just, that came up on fucking Rowdy Son's birthday stream. Where's Rowdy being like, so where's Griffin, your boss? Is he too busy because he's your boss? And I was like, you shut the fuck up. I can't control my fans, but I can uh, condone them. Yeah, and that seems uh, to be what you're doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so overall, Florida was a bust, but I'm sorry, guys. We kind of didn't plan at all, like, because I went to Florida. I got back, and I was like, oh, yeah, we have to do the podcast, and it just never happened. So here we are once again for those who remained, for those who don't feel totally stabbed in the back and betrayed. We're here again. The, it's a, the Game Boys podcast. Honestly, going by the numbers from last week, a shocking number of people have been unperturbed by our very erratic schedule lately. They like it. They're like, when's it going to happen? Yeah, it's a big surprise. Because, yeah, this, I'll be honest. So, when we were doing the podcast at first, I was freelancing. You were working your restaurants and stuff and freelancing. It was super easy to make our schedule mm-hmm. work. And bounty hunting. Yeah, and bounty hunting. It was really easy to just like find a time we were both free because like neither of us had like mega time commitments. Then mm-hmm. I got the job at Wisecrack and it became kind of hard to plan around that. Now we both work there and everything at work is topsy-turvy crazy. Uh, and it's it's harder to schedule, although we're figuring it out. We got systems in place. We're figuring it out. But yeah, thank you guys for bearing with us while we do this. Hopefully there'll be another crazy Florida trip or anything in the near future. We can get back into a nice, normal rhythm. Mm-hmm. You know, there are systems in place, but, you know, <laughs> sometimes I feel like the system is the enemy and we need a radical populist from the ground up revolution to take control of the podcast. But that's just Sometimes that's how I feel. Is that what you describe it as when we like don't record for a week because we're both confused? That's a radical populist <laughs> revolution to you. <laughs> no, no, I want I want like the fans to take over their RSS feed. You know, wow. Means. Yeah. So you want sort of like sort of like Rowdy and Joe and Forrest and those and Nude Tane, et cetera, to sort of control our podcast feed. I want radical intervention in some form. Well, that's that's what we need here. Well, folks, this is a call to action. So uh, to CTA. Yeah. If you can hack into our anchor.fm account and mess with our RSS, <laughs> like that's what he's asking you to do. So good luck. <laughs> like subscribe and hack folks. Welcome back. It's the Game Boys podcast. I am your host, Griffin. I'm your other host, Lux. And joining us as always in the booth, on the ones and twos, in the aether space, in the lands between. It is our super producer, superstar, the real hero of the podcast. The Erd Tree of, of Game Boys. It's producer Haley. Shouts out. The best in the biz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? You you remove the Haley rune from the Elden Ring and chaos betwixt the land. It's true. That is a fact. And we will get to we will get to Elden Ring. Uh, eventually, but we have some other stuff, including Griffin. You watched the streamer awards. Oh God. Yeah. Are we going to start there? Oh boy. Yeah, man. 
That was the order I had it in the rundown. So here we nice. go. Um, yeah, you know, I I don't know when it happened, like on this podcast that Lux, Lux was like, oh, I'm going to play like the weird, obscure games. And then like, you're going to have to watch all the horrible culture shit. But that's that's just how it happens I, on the show. I can tell you when it happened. It was when you were like, I think I'm going to cover more gamer news. And I was like, OK, I'll keep playing weird, obscure games. And you were like, OK, <laughs> that's that's how it happened. You sort of dug this hole for yourself, bud. But tell me about the streamer awards. Um, so basically, the streamer awards were interesting because they were set up by a streamer. It wasn't like an official Twitch thing. It was this streamer, QT Cinderella. Um, and she set up this, this whole event and had a bunch of sponsors, I'm sure. And like show producers and stuff. Um, but it was like, it was interesting because in so many ways it had the skeleton of like a real red carpet event. There was like red carpets. It was live stream. People were being interviewed. Um, and then there was like a stage with like a real awards, but like, <laughs> Everyone doing all those roles and positions were some of the most untalented people I've ever seen. Devastating. Well, here's the thing. This is I've been thinking of this when it comes to streaming is that streaming is about basically imbuing a high level of energy to your audience for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of award ceremony stuff, acting in general, even long form improv stuff is like it's fits and starts, right? Like you, you, you're, you're on, then you're off and you're on, then you're off and you're on, then you're off. And the skill set of sort of being on, off, on, off, but keeping that on at like a certain level of like professional and execution is very different than the skill set of being on for four hours straight while you play Nintendo. Mm -hmm. um, I know this because I'm a lot better at the first category than the second category, even though I do the second thing once a week. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it made me, it made me respect actors. Like it made me respect, like, I was like, I was like, the, I was like the most, the dumbest, most, most worthless, least talented actor would run circles around these guys because it's like, it, it was like the, the streamers being interviewed, they'd be like, Oh, what are you excited about the awards? And they're like, uh, I guess seeing the awards. <laughs> or like like the the people uh, doing the the interviews too on the red carpet were streamers and like there's this guy named like jhb or something like that and oh my god this guy it, it's like it's like it's like it he he has the personality of like the plank from ed ed and eddie oh you mean the most like, charming character on the show plank well well, in context, Plank is charming, but it's like he it is just a it is just a fucking piece of cardboard that you're staring at. Like it is an incredibly untalented human. <laughs> and and it's like I looked him up and I was like, this guy is like 19 or 20. And he's like the what he's like the hundred thieves like intern or whatever. I don't even know what the fuck that means. Uh, but it's like this guy makes probably millions of dollars a year and like has like no discernible traditional media skills at all. Right. Well, this is like, this is why um, we've talked this before that like, it's that like uh, Timmy Quivers and PWR is so shockingly impressive and irreplaceable because he is able to stay at a hundred constantly and be improvising, like providing like new, like the thing that's so crazy about him is that he's doing both the Twitch streamer thing and the actor thing. Like he is in a character, he's creating new stuff, he's finding angles on things, inventing like ways to talk about stuff, and keeping it at a hundred constantly. Um, and 
I think that that's like almost no one else can do like very few people alive can do that, you know? And like you're saying, they're taking these people whose skill is staying at a hundred constantly and then being like, can you, but, but like sitting down at a computer, right? Exactly. And that's a very specific type of energy. And then being like, does that translate to this other setting? And it's like, no, it super, it super it's like, does so, not. And, and it, like it self evidently wouldn't <laughs> like, that's the thing about it. that's really crazy to me is that like, there's to me, that's like, when you told me there were streamer rewards, my first thought was like, I don't think this is going to go well because like that skill set isn't just like, it's not just distinct other skill set. It's not diametrically opposed to, but it's like, it's like so unrelated. Yeah. Yeah. And like the, the host cutie Cinderella or whatever, um, she was like doing the thing and she was doing these tweets about how like, Hey guys, like if you're streaming the streamer awards, like make sure to do it full cam and don't show the footage. Cause I'm trying to get, you know, as many viewers as possible to get sponsorships for future years. And like some people like got mad at her for that. Some people like respected that. Um, but I was like, okay, she's like trying to like make, turn this into like a serious production and then i watched her host it and it was like watching someone like drunk at a high school party it was like a mess and i was like oh yeah i was like none of these skills i guess translate um and it really it really made me think like oh there is a big cultural cap to this genre of performer because it's like i don't know it's like it just seems like if they can't do this other stuff, then they then like none of them will ever transition into like TV stars, movie stars, like any of that kind of stuff. Well, it's very and interesting. It, and it kind of goes both ways, right? Like, like you and I are both like trained improvisers and actors who've like done classes and have like had some success like on stage and doing things. And like doing streams is hard and challenging and a very different skill set. Um, and we're not like bajillionaire streamers like these people are. But also, I think if any of these people had to, like, get up and do 30 minutes of, like, two-man improv at, like, a dirty theater, it would just, like, bomb to shit. And I think it's really interesting that there is this, like, meaningful distinction in terms of skills, even though these things are very similar, like, from the mm-hmm. from the outside. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. If, and- if improv training was one-to-one, if improv skills were one-to-one with streaming, Forrest and I would be much more successful streamers. <laughs> Uh, than we are but it's not there, there's a different thing to it of like energy and interaction and and all the stuff that is a real skill set but that's not the skill set of an award show by any stretch of the imagination it's like a radically different thing um mm-hmm. and i think that there is sort of a conflation and this is not just with streamers but just generally with society of like you do talk on screen that is all the same thing talking on screen in any right. context is the same exact skill set and it's just it's so not and this is such a good example of how it's not Um, and like, Uh, it's a really object lesson in that, like, no streamers aren't improvisers, aren't actors, aren't sketch people, aren't speakers, aren't orators, et cetera. Like Mm -hmm. these are all different skill sets that people have. And it's like, no, no, none is like better or worse than the other, but that like, you can't just sub one for one across events and contexts. Right. And because I think like traditionally when social media was like really blossoming, it felt like you had to like in order to be a successful actor or something, you had to have like a hundred thousand followers or something like that. Um, but now it's like, there's all these kids who have like 400,000 or like a million followers and they're like 19 years old and they're like, they'll never do anything else other than that specific content. And it's, so it's like, it's interesting. It's just like, 
I don't know, just watching it all shift and change. And then it's like, I don't know, like, will Twitch and live streaming get bigger than it is? It's 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 hard to say because, you know, at the end of the day, live streaming is like mainly for people who can sit and watch live streams all day. You know, yeah. which is like only a percentage of the population. And well, the intuitive thing that is sort of happening is being discussed in a lot of spaces is that like, oh, people love these streamers so much. They'll pay to see them in basically anything. But I think that what you're talking about is going to reveal the sort of uh, fragile bubble of that, which is that mm-hmm. when they're out of their element, like anyone, like literally anyone, this happens to athletes and to comedians and to people all over the fucking spectrum. When people are out of their element, they will not perform as well. And that bubble of goodwill can get popped, right? Like this has happened mm-hmm. to plenty of people. Um, the problem is, and I think the high risk element of this is that if that bubble pops of likability for a streamer because they go and like do a movie and are dog shit or whatever, mm-hmm. then like the thing they fall back on, like also is impacted. Like in, in a way where like if you put uh, Michael Jordan in a movie, right? If you put Michael Jordan in Space Jam. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. Whatever. That's a bad example because it was generally liked. But like you put Jordan in a movie, say he has a really bad job in a movie. All the people who watch the movie are like, this sucks. He still makes a bajillion dollars playing basketball. Right. Yeah. You put a streamer in a movie. They're like, this movie sucks. We don't like this person anymore. They don't make a bajillion dollars streaming anymore. And so the risk that calculus there is like a lot higher. And I think I'm I am concerned for the economic implications of that. Yeah, I would also say I might even push to a more aggressive take here, which is that. To me, in terms of performance quality, it seems like just the fact that these people don't really have any performance quality shows that so much of streaming is just luck. And that if you get on the luck train where like your best friend is a huge streamer and then raids into you and builds your community and like, which is pretty much the only way I've seen people grow or like you're a 19 year old and a hundred thieves. I don't know. It just seems like so much of streaming is just luck. And especially if they don't have any of those other qualities. I think some of it's luck. I do think that there is a real skill in being able to, calibrate your energy to a thing that makes it easier for people to want to just hang out with you for a long time. It's that's difficult. I agree. I think that's a real thing that people are good at. Um, now I will say the number of people who are good at that is larger than the number of successful streamers. And that that's where luck comes in is like, which ones of those get the joint. Like, um, like a good example is like our friend where's world live is very good at streaming. Um, his show is good. He's very funny. And people like to like talk to him and whatever. Um, Frankie rules. Uh, Frank does not make a bajillion dollars streaming. Uh, that's in part because this thing is very niche, but also because like it just doesn't fucking matter no matter how good you are at it if you don't get like those bumps you're talking about. Um, like there's a top end ceiling to how far going, being just good at streaming gets you. Uh, as opposed to where that's where luck comes into it. Uh, as opposed to like, and that's true with everything, but I think more so with streaming than anything else because there's like fewer top end slots. Mm-hmm. Like you can make a yeah. living as an actor if you're not a famous actor. Um, mm-hmm. even if you're better than a lot of famous actors at acting and just, you never get the lucky break to be the star of anything, but like you're a supporting guy in a couple movies a year, you got sag after shit, you're fine. Um, with streaming, like unless you're in that top, like 0.001%, like you have, you have to have a day job. And I think mm-hmm. that that's like a real trade off where like that, where luck becomes the question in a way it becomes a determinative question, in a way that skill kind of just 
like doesn't like skill cannot take you to a livable point of streaming. There has to mm-hmm. be luck in a way that like you can be good enough at acting, good enough at writing, good enough at whatever to in most cases be able to, even if you can't write the things you want to or act in things you want to at least find a, a space where you can do that, whether it's acting in commercials or writing technical documents or whatever. Um, but that's not true with streaming at all. Like luck is a necessary hinge. I think we've spent way too much brain power on the stream rewards. <laughs> uh, I think so too, but that went in an interesting direction. So I'm all right with it. Um, what, what since else has happened gone, since we've been gone? They made another Batman and it came out. Why do they delete the podcast? <laughs> and it came out, came out last week. And we watched, oh, watched the Batman. Yeah, I, I, that song was about as good as the movie. If I weren't tone deaf, that would have been pretty good. Definitely if, a movie that gets worse every second I think about it. Um, yeah, it's it's a movie that walks up to the line of being good and having good ideas. And in every instance where it's like pushing that line goes, oh, no, 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 and walks it back. They're not just in, in the idea department, but in the fun department, folks. Yep. This thing is a slog. Yep. Every time there's like there are funny jokes in it and it just never leans into that tone all the way. Like uh, the part where he starts the Batmobile and floods the engine is like a funny little bit. And I love that. Or the part where he does the dive and crashes. All the parts that are kind of like about how he's still learning how to be Batman are really good. But like they don't make that a focus of the movie, Um, even though it's like funny and compelling. Uh, There's like this real tension with like how close the Batman and Riddler are in their ideologies. But they don't make that a really point of tension, except for a couple of small moments. There's like this question of like, what does it mean that Batman's dad's a billionaire? Is there justice there? They never really walk into that except for very small moments. And it's like throughout the movie, it's a three hour movie and the Batman, the Riddler almost never interact. It's crazy. Yeah. And Paul Dano doesn't even get beat up. No beat up for Paul Dano, no whip for Catwoman. Like it's just every time the movie like could be fun, they're like, what if we did nothing instead? And it's just like, oh man, I don't know. Just you feel left like just like missed opportunity after missed opportunity. Um, I think some people are going to like the movie because it's like stylistically interesting at certain moments. Um, but I don't think anyone's going to like truly in their heart of hearts, love the movie or remember the movie. I think this is something that I said on, on show me the meaning, the, the wisecrack movie, I guess, but like, I think in a lot of ways you make the argument that this is better than any of the Nolan movies in a lot of technical and like functional ways. But it's just not going to be memorable the same way those are because there's no single element that like pushes the boundary of what these movies do the way like any like every Nolan movie like has a thing that at least like gets but, far enough. Well, also, the Nolan action sequences are actually written well. Like, I don't remember any action sequence except like the guess the the hallway where they're all shooting at his armor. But it's just not super interesting that. OK, um, but that that hallway scene is very sick. It's visually cool, but but there isn't a lot of stakes to it for me in terms of like uh, writing within that scene. It's just kind of yeah. a moment that happens and is like a spectacle. Um, yeah. the pro- I just think a lot of the production like, stuff in that movie is really cool. And I think that that's, that's notable. Certainly. But but also it's like the fucking Batmobile. What is it like a Dodge Charger? What the fuck is that? It's, thing? Like, it's, it's, like, a spi- like, it's like a spiky sedan. Yeah, it's just really just like everything. Everything felt like that. Where it's just like, oh, it's it's just a car. Okay. Um, but yeah, ultimately I'm giving this one one thumbs down. Um, but you know, I wanted to like it. 
Yeah. I mean, like I've said uh, before to you and to other people and just throughout my life, uh, a movie that's just okay and never really approaches being good mm-hmm. makes me a lot less annoyed than a movie that approaches being good uh, and just falls short in the way this movie does. Like, oh, interesting. I feel like that's so you're describing very <laughs> slight degrees. Well, I, that's the thing is like a movie where I'm just like, oh, like partway through the movie, if like, if like, you know, like uh, Solo is a good example of this. About 20 minutes in the solo, I was like, this is going to be fine. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, I, I get it. Um, and that's fine. And it doesn't bother me or like make me irritated. Whereas this movie irritates me because like even like two and a change hours in, I was like, OK, this is a, like a redeemable project. That could be something really cool. Um, it just never gets there. Right. Yeah. So things that are closer to good are more annoying. Yes. I see what you're saying. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that makes sense. And, uh, yeah, ultimately it's just not different enough from the last couple. So I just felt unnecessary. Um, and honestly, Pattinson deserved better, but we do have a limited penguin series coming out. Ugh. So folks, it was all worth it. I, I did really like the Colin Farrell penguin. Although Colin Farrell's best part, the Colin Farrell penguin, not having a cigar is like a crime. We have time. We, we, we can get that cigar into the show. Because the, just the way he says, come on, that one scene they're interrogating him, he goes, come on, <laughs> uh, is like the most having a cigar ass thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a movie with like a million studio notes. Yeah. Also, uh, like really suffers from, the, from being PG-13. Yeah. It suffers from a lot of things. Suffers from just being lackluster. I don't know. I, the one thing I hate is when it, it's just like. Uh, everyone like patting themselves on the back going like, yeah, you know, Batman's a detective movie. And it's like, that's why I liked it. And it's like, this is like a worse version of like seven or something like it's that. It's also like, like, he's not a good detective in the yeah, movie. It, does, it fails as a detective movie. So it, he just like, it's quick at solving basic riddles. It is such a misunderstanding of Batman and the Riddler to make Riddler the bad guy in the detective movie. Because the Riddler's whole thing is giving you clues in the form of weird riddles that you solve, which is not detective skills. It's riddles skills. So Batman (laughs) never really has to do real detective stuff. There's a shitload of Batman villains who do weird secret stuff and and are and are not trying to get caught and are trying to not leave clues. Like the Riddler's thing is that he intentionally leaves clues. So it's not (laughs) like a detective needs to find them. They're his whole thing. And so if there are people in the Batman, tons of them in the Batman canon who they could choose who try not to get caught. And then what he does is like, you know, like puts the pieces together, figures out these disconnected events, da 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 da, whatever. And then that's detective shit. Him going mm-hmm. around and being like, oh, this birthday card with my name on it. I wonder what could be in here. Oh, a word puzzle. I guess I'll solve it because I'm not four years old. What the heck? The Riddler left another message is not detective shit. Yeah, he basically just receives packages the whole film. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And so that's one of the funniest things to me is that like <laughs> there was a part where the first riddle is like, what does a liar do when they're dead? And I was like, oh, he lies still. That's pretty clever. Yeah. Um, and I figured that out. And then like three minutes later in the scene, Batman says it. And I'm like, yo, if I'm solving these riddles quicker than Batman, like they, this, I'm not convinced he's the world's greatest detective. I'm like B minus mm. at riddles. Like, I'm, like it's, I don't know. I just like, I don't, 
I just like I, that's the thing is like you're like I never bought him as a detective because of all this stuff, and so all these reviews are like Batman is good detective now are just like I don't didn't that's not in the movie the movie like claims that it's true, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really do the work in any meaningful way. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 slap Paul Dano around in the sequel. Yeah. Um, Although if they do bring yeah. back the Joker and it is Barry Keegan, which I've heard is on the table, I'll be very happy. I'm super confused because I thought that was Two-Face in the jail cell at the end, but uh, I whatever. think it's the Joker, but I'm not sure. No, it's the Joker, but big confusing for me, but also a big who care. Uh, let's talk about games. We got, we, we're running out of time. Yeah, we got to go quick. Uh, I'll make triangle strategy fast. Uh, triangle strategy. It's good, man. It's a good game. I will say I remembered when I streamed it on Wednesday that the first couple chapters are very slow mm-hmm. um, and very dialogue dense and very like world building. Because basically the premise is that you've got these three countries that each bring something to the table. One has all the iron. One has all the salt. And one uh, is good at mediating. All the swag. Basically, yeah. Their power is being good at mediating. Oh, um, <laughs> and so like that's who you play as. And you play as like someone in that thing. And there's sort of like a huge conspiracy and betrayal and international like stuff is happening that you have to like weather and fight this war to like save your people or whatever. Um, but what makes it really fun is that every character is different. Um, they all have different purposes. They go on all the different things. And on top of that, there's a lot of different like ways that you can use positioning to your advantage that the game takes advantage of that aren't in a lot of tactics games where like high ground increases damage. If you have, so if you have someone flanked by two of your guys, they both hit rather than just one of them hits hitting from behind does increase damage. Um, character enemies have various strengths and weaknesses. Da, 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 da. And it's not just rock, paper, scissors, like in a fire emblem game. Like there's a more complicated mm. strength and weakness system. Um, and so it, it's a really challenging and fun little tactics game. And the cra- and I really do like the weird voting system. The weird voting system is cool to me. Um, I like oh, the, you, you Pokemon go to the polls, you Pokemon go to the polls and here's how that works. So every certain points of the game, basically the game is like, you're faced with a choice. You can do this thing or that thing, um, which is pretty normally what a choice is. And then the people in your party based on sort of choices you've made in the past and like ways you play the game have different opinions on what option is good or bad, you know? Like some of them are like, we sure. should, we should go to this town somewhere. We should go to that town. And then you use info you've gathered by like talking to people and debate them. Yeah. You basically debate them and you try to convince them to vote the way you want to. And I like this game where like you can fuck up the choice mechanic. Like you can want to do something, do a bad job of persuading people and do the opposite thing. And that's just like what happens to you. And I think that's, that's pretty like, funny. I like that's that. like a fun, interesting thing. <laughs> And that's where the triangles come in. The triangle, I think, refers to the three countries, but I'm still not totally clear. Damn. Uh, yeah, sounds like a sounds like a dense, interesting, and exactly what you expect from it kind of game. It really is. Um, but it's like it's delivering. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing is like, oh, tactics games come out, and I can be picky about how good they are. Although we've been on a pretty good run lately. But like they sometimes don't deliver, especially the really text plot heavy ones can be like and can lose the forest for the trees kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. this game really does work pretty much across the board, largely, I think, because the combat is so deep and has so much going on. And that they like do a good job with the plotting is fun and they let you interact with the characters in fun ways. And you got fun little guys. Um, And it just makes the game like a lot. It's like a pretty exciting little thing. And it's like a fun it's a necessary diversion from Elden Ring, uh, which we'll talk about momentarily, because I'm just playing the PS5 with people and some people are playing Forbidden West. And so 
I need to have a different game to play. And so having a triangle strategy on deck as an option is uh, a joy. Nice. You're sharing your PS five. Yep. Respect. You know, it's gotta be done. The people you gotta work with the people around you. Yeah. I can't wait to get back to uh, forbidden West. I was having so much fun with that game. Yeah. So far away right now. It's so good. I see it on the TV every once in a while. And I'm just like, Holy moly, this game. I think the graphics in that game are a little better than the graphics in Elden Ring. Although I think the designs in Elden Ring are like way cooler. The graphics are better in Horizon. Yeah, but it's a different type of game for sure. Yeah. Uh, and let's talk about Elden Ring because uh, let's talk. We've about been playing it. it. I've been playing it a lot. You've been playing it a lot. Everyone's playing it a lot. Everyone is still playing it because it's so long that people will still probably be talking about this online hardcore for like two more weeks. But it's been going strong like every day. Yeah, I feel like until Kirby comes out. There's not, not going to be a game anyone else is talking about. And even when Kirby comes out, it'll only be like a third of the people. Which, I mean, and look, I'm ready for fucking Kirby, but like, oh, I'm not. I've never been less ready. Well, I'm always ready. I was born ready for Kirby. No, no, I want Kirby, but I'm not ready for Kirby. You're just not ready to make the transition. Well, I just have so I have so much left to do. It's yeah, it's Horizon. True. I have Elden Ring. I got so much shit. Yeah, it's real. I mean, fucking and Stranger of Paradise is coming out. Like it's, it's I know. We're living in a crazy and it, world. And every trailer is so good for Stranger of Paradise. Love the new it's one just, where they're all just like, "Are we bros? Oh yeah, we're bros. Dope. Let's do it. <laughs> greatest clip in history. Just absolute swag. Kind of like I don't know. It has like the soap opera vibes of like the OC. It's incredible. I'm into it. Yeah, it rules. Um, but let's talk Elden Ring. So where are you at now? I'm sitting level 77. I got about 65 hours in. Whoa, that's way more than me. I've had less time to play it, to be honest with you, because I have been reading lots of berserk manga. I've been reading the fuck out of that manga. Maybe next week we'll do a, a manga corner to check in on that because I love that book. That's it's the, one of the greatest things I've ever read. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm inclined to agree. It's a real masterpiece of what it is. Yeah, it's kind of like. I don't know. It, it is. It's like I. It's it's like I in real life. I found like a legendary item that I wasn't like aware existed in arts and culture. I know. I'm every couple of months. I'm tempted to like spend a bajillion dollars on like the hardback collection of all the berserks because like they have all the special edition stuff. But then I'm like, oh, wow. I can't afford that. But I think about it constantly. Oh um, yeah, I started buying the books, but then it it got too expensive. So now I just, I, I got to read it online. I'm sorry. I love, I love it. I, I can't afford to spend that well, much Kintaro money. Anymore is dead, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, um fuck, but I, I, I'm really devastated by that in the sense of like, how is there, does he have a, does he have an offspring? There is, <laughs> there's allegedly have? a planned ending with one of his editors, but we'll see if that's actually real. Oh my God. That would, that would that would keep me go, going for sure. But yeah, that's been incredible. But yeah, so I am probably a lot low. I t- to be honest with you, I don't even know what level I am. A-, a lot of my like time is spent not leveling. Like I'm really butting up against this game and refusing to like grind a lot and just trying to like fight bosses and find bosses I can kill. And it's like not a great way to play the game, but that's what I've been doing. That's how I've been playing it for a long time. I started leveling really fast recently because I started doing a couple of specific side quest lines that take me to like enemy dense areas. And that's leveled me very quickly. But for a long mm-hmm. time, I was doing the exact thing you're describing, which is just like looking for bosses to kill because uh, the boss fights yeah. are so fun. <laughs> The boss fights are fun. There is a lot of them. It's sometimes hard to find them in the newer areas. I don't know. Like, I'm having so much fun when I play it. 
I want to see it all the way through to the end, but I am feeling like there's too much. Uh, and I don't know, like for me, like the combat of like Sekiro and like the sort of tighter, more interlocking and unlocking vibe of Bloodborne, I just think is just like more interesting design. Well, I do like th- they do have interesting stuff once you arrive to places, but so much of it is like spread out and hidden. And I and, and I and I and I'm and sometimes I'm a little frustrated by that. I do think you're right about so I, I don't totally agree, but I think that you're you're getting some things that I think are very true, which is that the part of what blood, what Eldering is doing is making itself accessible by expanding out the number of functional systems that exist that like you can do a strength faith build uh, that, that still gets really strong spells and doesn't need a super huge investment. And you can in faith. go out to the world and grind forever to get super strong. If you want to do that. Yeah. But also that there's just like specific build types that you can do that like are a little different are easier that are easier and are different from past games. There's like a lot more of them that work. The magic, the magic and the summons are just like make the game way easier if you want to go yeah. that route. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I think that's cool and really interesting. And I like that there's like all these, like there's like, you know, if you're not a wizard, there's nothing you're going to get from going to like streets of sages in Kaled. Um, but if you are a wizard, it's like game changingly good, but I'm not talking about class stuff. I'm talking about the world design. Yeah. But what I mean is that the, by expanding the world in this way, right. It leaves a lot of spaces to explore and find places and find your play style and find your vibe and find what you're doing. Um, and I think that that's really interesting and good. I do occasionally, butt up against, uh, the thing is that there's plenty to do. There's like tons to do and it's all really fun to do. But there are times where like I'm just riding around looking for a thing to do. And for some reason, I'm just like, keep not finding it. Yeah, um, there, th- th- that happens to me a lot to the point where sometimes I'm like, like, I don't like I'm like, oh, do I want to play Elden Ring right now? And like com- commit to like really being like fucking scouring for stuff. Like, I, I don't know, because like one thing that happens is if you don't scour areas for enough secret stuff to level up, you are going to hit big walls in the game where like the next boss, like one hits you. Well, um, so I was running into that and I was bullied by, uh, friends, our friends, Colin Bryan, um, into, cause I was just not going to, I like refused to go find the maps. I was like, whatever, who needs them? Um, but I got them and they were right. The maps do have little hints of where things are on them. And that has made it a lot easier for me to avoid the thing that you're talking about where I'm wandering mm-hmm. around and like, don't know what to do. Um, because yeah. I can look at the map and say like, Oh, there's a little red dot over there. That looks like a mine or, Oh wait, there's a river that runs between these mountains. Let's see what's there. There's always a thing there or whatever. And so using the map as a motivator for like planning out my little adventures has made it a lot easier to consistently find things. That's what sparked my life up leveling. Uh, but I think that again, like that's, and I think that's a smart way to design the game, but I do think that like without that, like just running around in circles, like you're not just going to find stuff, you know, no matter how big and full of stuff it is. No. Yeah. I think it's interesting and I think it's effective for the open world, but sometimes it's like, Oh, it's not my favorite way personally. Um, yeah. But then, you know, like, the other thing with the open world, I think that I think could have helped this a little bit is the way that they like pace the open world. Like I, I do get obviously the angle of you could start in one place and run any direction 
and people really want that that like open world feel and that's totally cool and possible but i wish that the way that you travel through parts of the land had sort of spatial pace to them. What I mean by that is sometimes you get to a really big field area and then you get to an area that's like a little more confined and then you get to another area that's big again. And I feel like it's just like so many big overwhelming areas back to back to back that like, I feel like I can't remember where I'm at. I can't process it. And then it's just, it all starts to feel a little bit more like homework. Um, yeah, again, I think again, I think that's the the maps really help with that. Like collecting the actual maps in the game like help make that traceable, but it is true that like one thing about this game and this is true I I've been I've been struggling with this lately is that like a lot of um the way I play games is based on the internalization of game design norms that I've had over the course of playing games for a very long time. Um and this game doesn't always live by those rules because of the size that it is. So like you're saying there are places where like the spatial pacing is such that it like goes big, small, big, small, and like big, small, like curves off new area. Da, 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 da. And like, that's all very like traditional game designy stuff. And this game does that sometimes for sure, but for not, sure. but yeah. not all the time. And there are t- points where points where I get excited about the fact that they're not doing that, but also sometimes I get frustrated because it's like, Okay, I followed my instincts to go to this area, and it turns out it's just like a pond with some crabs. Um, and like I don't care about those crabs. Mm-hmm. Um, but then sometimes it's like, oh, there's a secret entrance to a lost city. Whoa, very cool. You know, yeah, there it's it's a cool game, but it is a game that demands your full observation time and like investment into if you want to like explore its secrets. Yeah. And and it's also a game where I, I was trying to just explore it all on my own, but I would hit these like uncomfortable little roadblocks where I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to start Googling shit because um, I'm underleveled and I can't find where any of these goddamn dungeons are. I got it. Um, when I booted up tonight, I'm just going to add you to the I'm going to make I'm going to add you to the boy, the boys chat for for Elden Ring. Should we play some tonight? Uh, if you want to jump in the chat with us, we're going to be playing tonight. Yeah. I'd be I'd be down to play some tonight. The co-op yeah. stuff is super fun. Total yeah. other dimension to the game. Very, very cool. Yeah. And the way we've been playing in there that I've really enjoyed is that none of us. Well, I'm not. And I don't think anyone else is, although I can't tell who's keeping their promises. Googling stuff. But we're all finding shit out. And so it's worked as like a communal, effectively Google thing where it's like someone's like, man, I need a new sword. I'm like, oh, man, Henry told me about this gravity katana and these ruins in Caleb, let me text him really quick and get that info for you. And I tell him, like, oh, should I get the gravity katana um, and shit like that. And that's been very, very fucking cool. Um, yeah, all that all that stuff is very cool. It's cool to see people find secrets and put, put them on Twitter. All that stuff has been super fun. Um, and the game is so big that I don't care if someone spoils one of the secrets. It's like, okay, thank you. I'll look out for that next time. Yeah. Okay, I, may, I would have never found that. Thank you. No, I mean, our, um, our boss spoiled yeah. a secret location to me. That was like one of the most helpful things anyone said to me this entire time. Um, mm, offhandedly, yeah. he was like, did you get that cool staff in Caleb? And I was like, I'm sorry, what Alex? <laughs> and then he told yeah. me about it. And then I got it. My game changed forever. Yeah. Uh, and like, 
I another thing that like I'm I I, I want to say it sounds like I'm complaining about this game. I, this game is really really good. It, it may not be for me personally as good as a Bloodborne or Sekiro for just my own personal design preferences. Um, but it's but it's about as good as this kind of game can get. Yeah, um, I think but, I think that's but, the thing I was trying to get at before is that those games are so focused in their design. Like every single thing about them is towards a singular end. Yeah. And because this game is about accommodating different play styles and different builds and different approaches, it just can't be designed that way. Um, yeah. And I think that it's really, really good at doing what it's doing. But you are right that like there is some sort of like mastercraft elements of hyper focused design that this game just like can't really ever access um, by For choice. Sure. And there's others that it can. Um Totally. But then like another thing I wanted to bring up was I'm really not enjoying the upgrade weapon system in this game. Uh, the materials all have numbers on them. And that was really confusing at first, because at first I thought that they were uh, like how, the quantity uh, that I had. But then, no, it's actually like a ranking of stones and you need specific rankings of stones to upgrade your weapon. And, and I hit this stupid problem where I have an insane amount of upgrades for stones for past my weapon level, but I'm just been missing two upgrade stones for my current level. So my weapon is insanely under leveled and I've been like looking it up online, just scouring the world, trying to find these very specific two upgrade stones to get my weapon accessible to be upgraded like 10 more fucking levels. Well, one of the things super frustrating, a thing they don't tell you that I only recently discovered is that you can make it so that you can buy those stones by finding the right ball bearings. Yes, um, I know that. And you've got to clear those various mines. To, okay, well, I, di I didn't know that until recently. <laughs> oh, yeah. you got to clear those various mines to get those ball bearings. And that's like the move. You just got to go look for those mines. And they're on the map. They're on the map before you find them, um, which is nice. The, the mines are? Yeah. And if you ever see like a little dark circle with like orange around it hmm. on the map, that's going to be a mine. Uh, and, and those are just like every dungeon. No, there's other, there's other dungeons around that aren't mines that you can also find, okay. but Interesting. the mines in particular, the crystal mines are always marked like that. Um, All right. I have to, I have to, well, that's the thing is like, like the yeah, like the, the game is good because it has all of that in it. If you like have the time and energy to like sit down and like, pour into it like that it does demand that of you oh, yeah. I, you know especially if you're not looking things up no doubt um it's been not looking but, things up has been a fucking struggle dude. <laughs> i've enjoyed it a lot uh, but it's been difficult yeah but it's an incredibly fun game i'm really excited to do more co-op on it my, my last thought on the story because i did have to read and learn about the entire story and spoil it for our work um, and spoiler alert it's the same exact story as dark souls to the point where i'm like what did George R. R. Martin do in this game? Because it seems like it's just like, did he write the? Did he just write the names of the NPCs? Like, I'm done to donuts that George R. R. Martin wrote uh, the weird rules about who does and does not get to be Elden Lord, and wrote the backgrounds for the Tarnished, and wrote the Ranny quest line, and that's and two fingers, and like the phrase two fingers, and like that's about <laughs> it. Like the Randy quest line is very George R. R. Martin in a lot of ways. Um, mm -hmm. And some of the endings are kind of that way, but a lot of it is just dark souls. 
Yeah, it's it's very just like replace all the proper nouns and it's the same game. Um, but yeah, it's still cool. And the real story is sort of like uncovering the story of the of the lands you're moving through and what happened there. Um, so, yeah, all that stuff. A plus, folks. It's a great game. Now we're going to take a quick ad break and then come back, talk to you about a great anime. Is it One Piece? Oh, fucking I wish, dude. Are you, were you, are you at episode 158 yet? Should we turn this into a what, One Piece podcast? Dude, I honestly probably a lot more listeners if we were doing a One Piece podcast. <laughs> listeners, you if you don't want this to turn into a, po- a, po- a One Piece podcast, please uh, write in the comments. If there's no comments, it's a One Piece podcast. Oh, yeah. That would be to check those. That's two steps that are important. Anyways, we're going to do an ad and we'll be right back. Do you want to just reuse Hunter's ad? I really liked Hunter's ad. I thought it was really funny. We could also just uh, do a new one. I didn't listen to it. Oh, it's pretty funny. Okay. Let's reuse it. Okay. And let's reuse this part where we talked about reusing it. Okay. Let's keep this in and then we'll just play Hunter's ad and that'll be the ad for this week. Dope. Very good. All right. Welcome back to Game Boys. We are time for our mini pod within the pod. A talk of Titan. Griffin. We're two episodes behind. We're just going to cover the most, the second most recent episode, Pride. What did you think? Tell me about the episode. Let's go. Um, I texted you and I was like, finally, and we needed this episode. And you did were we correct. Ep- oh, baby. Did we need this episode? An episode where nothing happened except a bunch of characters around a campfire talking. And I don't think a show has ever needed something more than that. <laughs> yeah. For, I mean, we talked about this last episode that like the thing that was missing was that there it's easy to understand as an audience member putting pieces together why these people could get along and do a thing together that like the pieces were there but that the show needed to give us a moment where that coalesces into the thing it has to be that they can't just be like they're this now because they had these experiences that you could imagine leading to this like they have to show us that happening and we were talking about how like we needed a scene of that or whatever and the show was like, no, you need an episode. And they were correct. Like it was fully 22 minutes of people just sitting around being like, here's why I think you suck. And then being like, well, here's why I think you suck. And we're like talking through it and like realizing like what the bigger things are, what the stakes are, what their approach is. And it just like works front to back a hundred percent and makes all those characters coherent, makes the whole shit work for me. Yeah. I mean, every character, Reiner, Gene, um, Mikasa and Annie like they just all had really incredible moments and honestly it's been like it's been a week or so so I, I don't I don't even really remember ever scene by scene but what I do remember is basically it's like every character gets an important moment to sort of ponder on their own sins and sort of express their like inability to do anything but just do this moment and be right here um and yeah it was really powerful um i thought it was really effective and it also seemed like a lot of the fans also thought it was really good which is nice because sometimes anime fans can be really annoying if there's not action in a in a in an episode people can tend to say that it's like slow or boring um but no this this just like flew by um and I think one thing that's also a complaint about Attack on Titan is sometimes we don't get to spend enough time with the main characters. Um, and so it's really great to have episodes like this. Yeah. And it really like 
it was really impressive because every character got enough time to really like Armin got to think about the stakes of his situation. Mikasa got to confront the fact that she doesn't really know how she would deal with it. If Aaron is like, the only solution is to kill me. Um, like Annie doesn't know if she trusts the other scouts because of that. Reiner is like bathed in self-loathing and like Gabby's just dedicated to saving the world from these monsters and gets fucking kicked by an adult man. <laughs> um, and like all of that really works. And so there's enough, like, the only character who doesn't really get like a beat where that goes, okay, this is the moment where I'm like, I'm going to root for you at the end is fucking Falco. But you know, Falco's beat is coming anyway. Or Falco already got his beat because he was like, Gabby, I'm in love with you. I hope I don't die. And then he gets titanified. Um, and so like they, they all have these moments like Gabby jumping on top of Reiner is like such a great moment because like it's a moment that does work for all three of those characters, right? Like Reiner is so deep in his weird self-pity. He'll let Gene beat the shit out of him to the extent that he'll let a child get beat up in the process. Gene is so fucking mad that he will lose himself in his rage and kick a child in the stomach. And Gabby cares so much about Reiner and like the coherence of the group that she will jump between two adult men who are punching and kicking each other. Um, and that just like, it's like a two minute scene, but it gives all three of those a position that they're going to be coming from and a status position within the group for the next episode. That is like a, a perfect fucking jumping off point. Um, yeah. And I just like, and that's just one of many moments like that or Hanjay, like ignoring the arguments to be like, with Stu is ready. And like, just being like all eyes in the prize 24 fucking seven or Levi being Levi's one line about just they're too loud. <laughs> Like all of yeah. that stuff, like, like it is like, okay, Levi's back and he's back to being Levi as he's always been. Hanjay is still Hanjay. Uh, other characters who have more malleable positions like Mikasa, Armin, etc. We get to see what they're turning into or what they're dealing with. Um, and I think it just totally works across the board. And the the thing that is so interesting to me is the show is so smart about who gets how many minutes that like it knows that we don't need shit from Hanjay really. It knows we don't need shit from Levi. It kind of knows we don't need shit from Connie because he's like a dumb guy. Um, <laughs> like, but it does. Oh, I, I I disagree. I think it it gave way too much Connie this season. Yeah, but this episode, I mean, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This episode, he does not get the kind of time he's been getting. Uh, and mm-hmm. and it's like you don't need that because he's like dumb. Or like Falco, it's like Falco's already like about as sympathetic as a character can be. He like dragged off to war with his brother. And the girl he's in love with and like is um, is getting turned into a Titan. Mm. Um, It's just like all. And so it knows that, but it knows that Mikasa is complicated. Armin's complicated. Gene is complicated. Reiner's complicated. Annie's complicated. So they get more time and it just allocates its time so efficiently throughout the episode. Like it's just the right amount of minutes for everyone. And it's so impressive to me, the balance of that episode. Yeah. I think they, they, they constantly in the season show like, Oh, we can do absolutely insane action. And we can also like do drama at the same exact level. Um, it's just, they really have, have proven they can do both. Uh, so yeah, like there was some stuff about Marco, um and how they admitted to killing marco that was kind of sad um i I forgot about that that was very bleak and dark but that's like Um, the stuff they all have to reckon with because they all have versions of that mm -hmm. uh like they all have versions of that like that they're dealing with yeah 
Uh, and uh, I guess I'm a little confused on like what the point of Levi is anymore, like what his deal is. But I'm sure he'll have some sort of final mom- moment that kind of sums up his story. But yeah, I mean, all in all, I mean, how close to the end do you think we are? I've heard there are 12 episodes. That seems crazy because it means that including this this week that, that just came out today as we're recording that there'd be three episodes left. And I can't imagine there's three episodes left unless they're really banana phones, which they might be. But what, you think there's less? No, I think there'd be more. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think it'd be like a four um, like a 14 episode season or even 16. Yeah, that's my that's my feelings on it, too. And my hopes. Um, but yeah, I guess they're off to fight this whale, <laughs> this sky whale. Folks, Death Stranding. We're back. Yeah, they got to go get that big plane. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all the all the characters have told you why you should still care about them, and now let's watch them die. Yeah, and like why they're willing to work together, and now everyone's ready to do the thing, and yet now they're all gonna die. <laughs> um, but will they also save the world? Great question. Not sure. Yeah. Side note. Um, I, I've been seeing a lot of crazy, like, like kind of spiritual parallels between like berserk artwork and like stuff in attack on Titan. Like there's this character in berserk named wild. Who's like this, like demon guy. Oh, do, you yeah. know, do you remember that character? Oh yeah. Uh, real piece of shit. Uh, but he goes into like his full demon form and he looks a lot like the beast Titan. Like yeah. they oh. have like very similar physiques and like shoulders and like heads i mean berserk is all over so much anime and like japanese art stuff but like attack on titan is definitely one of the most uh one of the most that and like dark souls um are two of like the most like obviously just like doing berserk stuff shows and and are are, like visual things but like it fucking works man the hard line like the hard line where every single thing in berserk looks sharp like uh where like even like t-shirts look like they could cut your hand open is like uh, it's like such a cool fucking style and, and attack on Titan uses it a lot and it, it super works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so folks, that was this week's episode. So sorry. We were late. If you're still listening, if you're both a game boys fan and an attack on Titan fan, well done, but go get some help. But thanks for listening. And that's good advice from someone who cares about you, which is Griffin. Uh, but also me, why not? Um, and if you want to know more about what we're doing, you can always find Haley, the real hero of the podcast on Instagram and YouTube at eat every sound. You can find Griffin on Twitter or on Twitter and TikTok at Griffin P Davis and on twitch.tv slash Chumaroom streaming it up. I am on t- Twitter at tailboy. That's T A I L underscore B O I. And I am on Twitch every week at uh, eight 30 central on Wednesdays to play games with our friend Forrest on twitch.tv slash pixel goblins. And sometimes we stream other times too. Um, so that is it. Uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye. So sorry. So, so sorry. sorry. We'll never miss again. We'll miss next week. Don't say that. <laughs>